This is the podcast for lifelong learners, where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And I'm Todd Hickson-Bob. Today, we are going to be learning about the struggle of race relations. And joining us on that conversation will be Stephen Johnson, also known as Moose. So, Stephen is a great friend of ours, and we've, I mean, we've known him for years. And, and he's a person who we were really interested in talking to. Uh, about this topic, just because Stephen is so well read on, on on these things, and he also he just he's lived it. He's lived it, and he just knows he knows so much about it. And it's such a passion for him to be able to, to work with folks and be able to, to just help make people's lives better. He's a pastor. Um, he does a whole bunch of things in, in in his community. Yeah, and I would say the the thing that really just um, caused me to even care more about this subject. Uh, happened almost a year ago, or about nine months ago, I guess. And it was a conversation that um, a pastor named Andy Stanley had with um, uh, two black gentlemen named Joseph Sojourner and Sam Collier. And he just had a conversation. It was taking place right after um, the shootings had happened in Dallas. And it really just opened up um, my eyes, at least just a little bit more, of what, um, what black men and um, experience in America. And quite frankly, just this whole topic um, will probably make you feel uncomfortable as well. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen. Because anytime that you listen to someone who has a different perspective and you're comfortable with a different background, you can learn something. And I guarantee that after listening to our conversation with Stephen, you'll learn something. So we're going to join our conversation with Stephen Johnson right now. Stephen Johnson, who we also know as Moose. Yes, 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 yes. Moose, why don't you tell us, uh, just start telling us a little bit about yourself, you know, what's going on with you right now? All right, well, as you said, I'm Stephen Johnson, that is my birthright name, everybody calls me Moose, if you want to know it's why. your Christian name, it's yes, a Christian yes. name. Yes, if you want to know why, you know, you can find me and I'll tell you why. Um, but I'm from Massillon, Ohio, uh, born and raised, um, I'm 26 years old, um, I'd say I'm 21, because I feel 30 coming around the corner, I'll be 27 soon. Um, I'm a college student at the University of Akron, uh, majoring in education, high school education. Uh, I don't know how long I'll be teaching. I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what God does. Um, also part-time preacher, part-time rapper, uh, part-time lover of people. Uh, I also do music. Uh, my name, my stage name is Fifth Ave. Um, I've been around the country a few times for rapping and yeah, that's, I'm getting married in November to a beautiful woman named Shalisha James, and I'm involved in a great, phenomenal A1 church plant named Citizens Akron. Shout out to Citizens Akron, my family up there. We are a multicultural church seeking to bridge the gap of uh, you know believers, non-believers, black, white, poor, rich, Buddhist, all those people. Just want to get them to Jesus up at Citizens Akron, man. So you know, come check us out, man. You know, East Market six two seven. That's the address. Correct me if I'm wrong, citizens family out there. So yeah. What do you not do? What I'm doing this week? Nothing. Playing a lot I, of, that's apparently. Played a lot of MLB the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> Played a lot of baseball games this week. Waiting for the season to start. Pretty much all I'm doing. Oh, that's funny. I'm the black guy that likes baseball. Okay. So he there just you go. he just went there. I'm the black guy that likes baseball. I'm one of the few. The the reason why we want to have Steven on the podcast is because, you know, really over the last couple of years, it's not that, um, you know, the struggles between races hasn't happened. It's just it's become mm-hmm. 
more in the public yeah. eye right. a lot more. Exactly. And that's really what we wanted to talk with you about okay. today. Great. And just starting out, we just wanted to ask you, you know, can you remember the first time that you experienced racism? And would you mind telling us a little bit yeah. about it? Yeah. Um, I would say, I well, there's two parts. I would say, first of all, I've experienced systematic racism my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced the um, the powers that be, the systems that be. Um, I've experienced the cycle of poverty um, and the cycle of um, the prison system um, throughout my family and, and the um, entire my entire life. Um, my first racial encounter, um, I was about eight or nine years old. Um, it was literally on my street, and there was a guy um, around the corner from my house. Um, he was a young young. It was an older guy and her, his son, I believe. Um, he had a dog, a big big like pit bull dog. And I can remember it was me and a couple of the younger kids on the street. We were playing outside, and uh, we were just tossing the football around. And uh, he brought his dog up there, and you know was you know calling this nigger and you know chasing us up the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say from then on, like my mother, like I told my mother about that, and she like had me read books, like and I, I still hate reading to this day, but I know its significance. Mm-hmm. But she just had me read books on uh, you know history, um, which I believe spurred my love for history. So. Um, and just the realities of what we face here in this country and abroad. So, when you say su- like systemic racism, mm-hmm. can you explain that a little bit more? Yes, um, systemic racism. Um, for me, you have to go back to the beginning. Our founding fathers. Um, our founding fathers are at times elevated to this point of her- uh, heroic men. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you ask many African Americans, they were a bunch of fat white racist guys. Um, God rest their souls, but they mm-hmm. were. Um, a lot of them had slaves. And um, this country, the life, liberty, you know, justice and pursuit of happiness, um, I would say I would I would fight was not really intended for women of any color, children or minorities. It was intended for white men um, to succeed. Um, and that reverberates now. Um, um, African-Americans make up around 13 percent of the American population. Yet over 60 percent of us, I believe, are in prison. Um, and most, wow. of them are, most of them are men. That's a significant number. Yeah, and most of them are, are men. Um, so most, most of our fathers are in prison. Um, I've had friends um, who've been in prison, who've been in the penal system. Um, by the grace of God, I am over 25, I am alive, and I've never been in prison. Um, but I know those things can change at the drop of a dime. Um, so, and uh, just poverty, um, just opportunities. Um, opportunities that are not given a lot of times um, to us um, because of whatever reasons may have you. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I mean by systemic uh, uh, racism. Talk to us a little bit about the opportunities thing, because um, I think that's a big one right now that you always you're hearing all of these people talking about. Right. Um, you know, when when it's brought up and you see key African American leaders, the first thing that they talk about is 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 one of two things, and the, the one of them is opportunities. the opportunities yeah. thing. Yeah. Um. Well, my experience is in the Department of Education per se. Um. There are only about three or four of us African Americans in the Department of Education. Um, then I've only had one black professor or teacher in general my whole entire life. That was last semester at the University of Akron. Um, I know a lot of people who are, who have degrees. Um, my mother had an English degree, um, from a historically black college in, um, North Carolina, Livingstone College. Mother, when you hear this, I know you will be excited when you hear, when you hear that. Um, she got an English degree. She had me while she was in college. And, uh, when she came home, I never knew this until, this past year, but she applied to be a teacher at uh, Massillon City Schools, and uh, she was denied that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And she heard through the grapevine it was because you know 
of her ethnicity. Um, and there are not a lot of black teachers at Maslin. Um, Which is crazy. Or anywhere. Uh, it's a, a may-have-you. Um, mm-hmm. I could just speak in education. Um, a lot of times, African-Americans, um, if we're not entertaining, which means if we're not singing, rapping, dancing, um, if we're not acting, if we're not jumping, um, right. if we're not Sports. catching the football, mm-hmm. if we're not doing anything of those, of those nature, Playing basketball. Um, we're not, yeah. we're not um, seen as capable or culpable <laughs> of doing those things. Um, and those things we believe. We believe in our minds that the only thing we can do is to play sports and to be entertainers, which are which is great. If you have a gift, use it. You know, I would never deny that. But um, we're more than those things. God has called us to be more than those things. So, yeah, opportunities. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next question we want to ask you is, you know, why, why. Why is this being like? Why is this being brought to like the forefront? I don't know if that's even the right word. It's not really. I know what you're trying to say. It, yeah. It's more of like why is so all of a sudden it seems like last summer things just exploded. Yeah. Like a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, um, you have the, the Ferguson thing happened, and then like there was a dead point mm-hmm. where things were happening, and then last summer it just exploded, mm-hmm. and now it's like all the media wants to talk about. It's all that everybody just wants to talk about. Why? Why is this all of a sudden like a? A thing that's on everybody's mind now. Um, I mean, well, one, I would say the media is one of the most evilest vehicles, if I can make up a word, in, in the world. Um, they like to um, use things to gain money, um, like things were new. Like you guys were saying, um, in, the, in, the, in the black community, these issues have always been there. Like so this isn't anything new. This, this is anything like, new. This, always this is anything new. Um, maybe to the... And it's not, and to be honest with you, it's not new to white Americans either. It's just now they're like, they're they see it on TV every day. It's not new to them either. Right. They mm-hmm. they know these things are around. Like, no matter what your teachers, um, and this anybody's listening, no matter what your teachers tell you, um, Black history did not start with slavery, um, and also um, that um, slavery was a real thing. It, it was not a figment of our imagination. We did not dream this up. Um, there was, I mean, four or five hundred years of slavery. So people actually try to tell people that, like, it, yes. it was, it was, and, and, and you can tell, and you can honestly tell, like, even in schools, like they, they don't, they don't teach really. I mean, Black history, um, they teach it from slavery, from the focal point of slavery, or they talk about Martin Luther King, or they talk about you know certain Malcolm X. Not even Malcolm X. They don't talk no, about. They don't. So they don't. No, they don't no. even go there. Uh, no, Malcolm X is not really seen as an American hero. Martin Luther King is. Okay, but Malcolm X is, and I, Malcolm X is one of my heroes. And why do you why do you think that he's not seen as a, as an American hero? Because of what happened, you know, because you know uh, of his life before his journey to Mecca, right? Um, when he was a black Muslim, um, and people have to understand and understand his con- his context, understand his story. Um, Malcolm X, his dad was a you know a, a preacher, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. His dad was a, I mean, his dad was a, a, a big time preacher. Um, his mother was a very, very fair skin, I believe. Um, his dad was a preacher, and his dad was murdered by the KKK. And um, all these white dudes are talking about they they love Jesus and all the we're doing this in the name of Jesus and Christianity. And as a as a black kid, you're like this blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus, you know, who's telling, white, who was a white guy, you, and he just like these white guys just killed my dad. Yeah, you want me to believe in your Jesus? I don't think so. I, for me, I wouldn't like, bro. There's no way. Like, I would there'd be so much hurt and pain, like, right. to work through and, and, and to wrestle with. So, um, then he gets in prison, and a lot of times that happens to black men in prison. Um, 
you know, Islam is like big in, in prisons. Right. Black men. I've they, heard that before. They go into prison and they come out and, you know, they're converted. You know, a lot of them become, you know, um, Muslim. And that's because they feel empowered and they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm important. I'm significant. So, um, yeah, I think that's why with Michael Max, you know, he was by any means necessary at one point in time. He was about black empowerment. And I think yeah. I think the word black power, um, it puts a lot of fear in a lot of white people. It, like, Because it's like, oh, black power. I mean, Black Panthers, Huey Newton, all these black leaders were murdered at, at a point in time. And right. uh, it's for a reason. It wasn't just because out of anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So... So, so we're talking about, you know, this, this all of a sudden coming to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And, and you said that, um, you know, for a lot of people in schools or, or, yeah. or when they think about this, it starts with slavery. But you're saying it doesn't start there. Where, where would you say that it starts? Like what? Like if you if you are a teacher and you mm-hmm. have a bunch of 10th grade kids, yeah. where are you starting? Starting from the inception of humanity. Um, for me, I'm starting from the inception of humanity that, you know, that honestly, look, I know we've seen movies from the 40s. In the Ten Commandments, where Moses was some white guy, but he wasn't white. <laughs> um, I've never seen, um, I've never seen a white guy in the Middle East, um, born, birthed naturally from the Middle East. Um, part of it's because of the melanin. I mean, you guys would get skin cancer. I, I mean, I, I, you would. The <laughs> yeah. melanin, the melanin. I mean, I've never seen it. So, um, I would go from the from the beginning, from the very very beginning, um, and look that you know we we have significance that. We were kings. We were queens. We were people of value. So you, it sounds like you'd almost actually start all the way back yeah. with like African history, even. Yeah, I would, and, and go Definitely. all the way back Definitely. there because we need to know that we need to know that we were not, we did not just come on a boat. Oh, we're on a boat. Hi, how you doing? And we just come to this foreign land. We don't speak the dialect. We don't know anything about the king's language, anything like that. And we're just hi, how you doing? We come over here. We give you four or five hundred years of free labor. And then we're like, oh, okay. Then we're just at, we're just, we're just told to learn how to survive. Like that's like somebody coming to you, taking you out of your homes, and then taking you to some foreign land, and then telling you to work for a hundred years, and then your generations of your children are just now you don't now you now you have to learn how to operate on your own. Now you have to learn how to operate within this system that doesn't seem fair, you right. know? and you know it's not fair. Mm-hmm. So you know, I would start from the very beginning, just just for them to understand that we didn't just pop from slavery. Like mm-hmm. we weren't, you know, we didn't, we didn't just, just come out of didn't appear out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think a lot of times, um, kids of all ethnicities believe that that we believe that our history starts with slavery, and that American history is not <coughs> is not separate from African American history. <coughs> um, I'm in a class right now with Dr. Williams at University of Akron. Shout out to him, um, and he's always pushing us to understand that um, American history and African American history are together. They're not apart, and it's the truth. No matter how much they like to think it's separate, but they're the same thing. Can you talk about that a little bit yeah. more? Yeah. Um, I, you know, in American in, in Americans in Americans mentality, we always like to remember things. You know, like the Holocaust, which we should remember. It was a horrific thing that happened. Um, the Holocaust, nine eleven, all these things like to happen when it's you know, yeah, we got to remember. We have to remember, but for some odd reason, we don't want to remember slavery. It's like, no, we don't want to remember that happened. That didn't happen. And a lot of it has to do with white guilt. You know, I you know, I, I have a lot of white friends where I didn't I didn't I didn't have anybody enslaved. I didn't do that and and blah blah blah. Um but you know, American history is African American history. Native American history is American history. You know, we like to we like you know, Americans like to neglect what 
how we built this country. We built this country on the back of slaves. The White House that the president sits in was built by African Americans. Um, a lot of, I mean, all this land we sit on was the, was the, belonged to the natives. It belonged to somebody else, and it was stolen. Let's be honest. You know, um, the American Revolution, you know, people like to get mad when people loot in these neighborhoods. Yes, it's wrong. But the American Revolution and people looting, I mean, you got to think about it. Think about the concept of the American Revolution. People were like, listen, you won't let us, uh, you know, worship freely. The king is a tyrant. He's taxing us. So we're going to overthrow your government because we're tired of, 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 of your oppression. So what, so what's, like, I'm not saying looting is wrong, but what's, I mean, when people loot, people aren't looting in these neighborhoods to, to loot. They're not just, they're not rioting for no reason. They're, they're, they're frustrated. They're angry because they, they continue to see the system. They say that it's fair for everybody. It's not fair. You know, and they see it's not fair. In American Revolution, the same thing happened. In in, in various contexts, the, the same thing happened. The same thing happened. Now, what you just said would would anger a lot of a lot of white folks. A lot of people that I yeah, that I know. It, it would really make them mad. Of course, it would. Uh, it, in particular, the the part about um, these people aren't looting just just to loot. Now, here's the problem that I that I think that a lot of a lot of people today, <sighs> when they see the looting and when they see the rioting, they're seeing it through the lens of what the media is showing, yes. and what the media is showing is a bunch of black dudes running around, breaking shop windows, going in, stealing flat screen TVs. Exactly. They're they're flipping over cars, burn. Exactly. So like, talk to us a little bit about about the, the this perception and and what really is happening. Like, what really is going on yeah. when these things are happening? Yeah, like it's once again, I am in no form or shape or way condoning rioting our own communities. That like that's what we're we're tearing down our communities. I, in no way am I saying that this is okay? But the heartbeat behind these things is brokenness. It's hurt. And it's like you keep telling us to trust a system that continues to fail us. How many, how many Trayvon Martins do we have to see? Mm. How many Emmett Tills do we have to see? I mean, how many, you know, how many Fergusons do we have to see? How many Mike Browns? How many Tamir Rices? Um, you know, how many XYZ phone to blank? You know, how many Sandra Blands where she was okay, then she got in police custody, and then she's gone? You know, how how many do how many of these do we have to see? How many do we have to see these cops who commit murder then go on paid vacation? I and mean, that's the perception that that, yeah. that that the black community has. Yes, that exactly. Paid vacation. Exactly, yeah, it is. I mean, they're not going to prison like they right. should. If I killed you, I should go to prison, period, in the discussion. I should go to prison. I should sit in a prison cell. But for some odd reason, when cops kill people, it's justified. There was a kid in Canton that, you know, he killed a, a canine dog. And this guy went to prison for 40 years. He killed a dog that was part of the police force, but he went to, he went to jail for 40 years. But it's okay for cops to, to reverberate that with no just cause a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of these cops, they're, you know, the, the police force used to be a community thing. People from the community would be a part of the police. Now you got people who are not even from the community coming in joining the police force who are from our, who are from the Army, the Marines, and have no clue who the community is, who the people are, and have no... They don't even care about the community. So all they do is lock people up. They assume, they, they, they assume their biases are correct, and then boom. I mean, I can walk out tonight with my Michael Mex cap on and be treated like I'm a criminal, and I have no police record. Zero. I've never been arrested. 
But I know that's a reality of mine. And for many of my friends, that's a reality of ours that we have to deal with. So um, I would say for, for all my, you know, all my, my, my white family out there, I would tell you just to look at things from the other person's perspective. Like, stop looking at things from your own lens. Like, it's you're not that person. You don't know. You don't know what it's like to be black in America. And that's okay that you don't know. It's okay. I, I think we, I think a lot of times, you know, white people have this thing where they feel like they have to know. Like, oh, I do know how. I, no, you don't know. You don't know. I don't know what it's like to be white guy in America. I don't know. I don't know at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think if we start there, that hey, I don't know. So it kind of kind of embracing the differences, rather because yeah. you hear this all the time. You hear um, uh, the, the I'm colorblind thing. You have, he's for you guys who don't know. You guys can't see. He, he's rolling his eyes right now. Um, but you hear that a lot where people is like, you know, I'm colorblind or I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Like color to me doesn't matter. Like I do it. And they, I think they do it out of like this heart of like wanting to, to let people know, you know, Hey, I don't not like you because you're black or I don't not like you because you're, you're bright. But like, here's, but like, here, here's the thing. You know, I had a guy tell me one time, um, when, when you see colorblind that you see everything black and white. So talk to us a little bit about this, this thing where we need to really embrace, yeah. Um, we need to embrace this, 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 these differences, the, the culture, and the, these things like that. Yeah, um, I, I get the most frustrated when I hear Christians say they're colorblind. That's when I get frustrated because I'm like, okay, do did you not see, you know, or read Genesis chapter one twenty seven when we're made in God's image and His likeness? Did you not read the creation how everything God created was good? Did you not see all those things? Or you just skipped over that, or you just don't put it in context? Uh, you know, it frustrates me a lot of times because. When, when you don't embrace culture, I think you miss out on the beauty that is God. Like, when you don't embrace differences, like, it's, 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 the, it's the beautiful tapestry of God that you're, that you're missing out on. Because you may not want to deal with that tension. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's a big difference between American Christianity and Jesus Christ crucified Christianity. What we see in America, and a lot of times in the Western world, is not Christ-centered theology. There are pockets of it, but a lot of times it's, it's not. Um, and I think a lot of times within the church, um, we, we ignore those things. We're over colorblind, and we teach, we teach kids that it's okay to be colorblind, and it's not. Like, I see you. You see me. And when I see you, when I see you, and when you see me, hopefully you see an image bearer. You see a person who has God's thumbprint on them, no matter if... No matter if they're Christian, no matter if they're Muslim, no matter if they're Hindu, if they're atheist, if they're poor, rich, black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. All of us, all that, that fundamental truth of every person on this earth is, is a reality that we're all made in the Imago Day. We're all made in the image of God. God didn't say, well, you have to be a part of my lineage to be made in that image. No, you're made in that image regardless. That is a gift that we were given, that we are image bearers of God. So I think if, if we understand that and we understand the totality of of God, we understand the the the, the, um, the Genesis account, the creation account. Then we begin to say, okay, the colorblind is ridiculous. You know, I see you, you see me. We have differences. Let's let's fuss through those things. And it sounds like it doesn't help at all. Like like these people are trying to they're, they're saying this to try to um, help, but it's you're saying it's not. It makes it worse. It makes it a lot worse because then you because when I hear the word colorblind, I hear you. You're trying to whimper out of trying to have tension. People don't like tension. I enjoy tension. I thrive in tension. I like tension. I like when I feel tension. I like when you feel tension. 
because then that gives us the opportunity to draw closer to one another. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, where there's, to me, like, when you're working out. Like, if you're working out, and, okay, you're bench pressing. Okay, you got, I only got 180 on there. You're like, oh, okay, this is light. This ain't nothing. There's no tension in your muscles, so you're not really working out anything. You're working out muscle memory, but the tensions, you're not going to get stronger over, over time. But when you when you put more weight on there, then that, that tension grows. Then you get stronger, and you get stronger. I remember I lifted weights. I mean, my, my freshman year, I started out, you know, lifting a certain weight. And then my senior year, I was lifting more because of the tension, because I pushed through the tension of weightlifting. And that's what we have to do. We have to push past the tension of um, being colorblind and differences and the realities that we face to see the beauty and the tapestry of God. And then the world, because I really believe the church, um, the world is looking at the body of faith. And if they see us a mess, they're like, oh, okay, well, if these folks are a mess, then, hey, they say they know God. I don't care about God. Then what, what do I have to be? in line for i'll just do the same thing so yeah talk about that a little bit more about you know why is it so important for the church like not just a church but the capital c church to care about this because god does (laughs) i mean because jesus does like we have to stop like and i see this so many times on social media we use jesus as a as a as a uh, as a political pun like jesus is a conservative he's a republican or Jesus is a liberal, but you know it's Jesus is for people. He's for humanity. He's for people. Christ died and resurrected for humanity, not for your Republican Party, not for your liberalism, not for your independence, not for any of that, not for your American dream. Christ died for humanity, and it is the call of the church to make disciples of all nations. And a lot of times, there's a line by Lecrae, you know, the, you know, even though some... There's a, there's shout, a, some out to, shout out to Lecrae. There's a sometimes relationship with, 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 the, with the suburban church in Lecrae. When Lecrae is about his, his people, African Americans, white people don't like him anymore. When that is talk, so accurate. But, but when he talks about Jesus, <coughs> go 116, Rich Records, you know. And I'm, I can say that I've been down Rich Records for 10 years now. But there's a line by Lecrae in this song called Dirty Water on Anomaly. Um... He says, um, heard you just went back overseas, now come back home and boss up. And a lot of times in the suburban in suburban churches, what we see is is kids going on mission trips. And and it's great. I would never say, like, oh yeah, I went to Honduras and da 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 da. And you come back and you do nothing. And you come back home and you do nothing. You sit in your conservative house, you go to your conservative church, and you don't do anything. You don't. Like, you go you go to Africa, and I see kids I see a lot of a lot of suburban kids all the time. They they go to Africa. Oh, I got all my all my black my black friends that I've been you know I'm hanging around. You come back home, you have no black friends. You have zero black friends. Zero. That's an issue to me. Like to me, you're 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 making a idol of work of mission work. Like and you're not living life on mission when you're here. You're not interesting. You're not in your community on mission. Like you're like. When, when people are going through pain and suffering, you just you make excuses for it. But if people in Africa are without water, which is terrible, you will be all on the front line for it. But when it comes over here, and, and it comes from this context that, well, we have the same opportunities. 
You know, Moose and Todd have the same opportunity. It doesn't matter that Moose is black and that Todd's white. They have the same opportunities. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. I'm not saying you don't pray for the government. You don't pray. Romans 13 teaches us to pray for our government. Pray for the government. But I do realize it's, it's evil and it's corrupt. And that we do live in a fallen Genesis 3 world. Mm -hmm. You know? And that we live in a system and a society that is set up for the top 1% to, to win. And that, for the most part, is a bunch of fat white guys. Do they have to be fat all the time? Like we all, we always like to make them fat. Yes. Like what if they're just white guys? Because they, because when I mean fat, <laughs> when I mean fat, I mean fat and resources. And Thank listen, you. and listen, Thank I used to, you. I used to, hey, listen, I used to, fat. I used to be, hey, I, I you, hey, big guys, we're family. I used to be fat guys. I used to be a big guy. Hey, I'm, I'm all family with the big guys, man. Big guys unite. You know, I'm all black, white, rich. We're boy. kicking you out. I, I, I love the big guys. We're kicking you out. Never. So. Why why do you think the church has been so silent? I mean, there's there's some yeah, people who are yeah, talking definitely, about definitely, it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Why do you think the church has a tendency to be silent about this? Um, well, shout out to Citizens Ackerman, my church, man. We just did a series called Kings and Priests. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal, just phenomenal um, time. Um, we talking about racial reconciliation and talking about what that looked like. And we had some tough conversations, and it was some tough sermons. Um, but I think for me, the heartbeat behind that, and if you want to go listen to Kings and Preach, you can go to our website, citizensakron.com. I believe that's what it is. And we'll have those in the show notes, too. Yeah, and the podcast will be there. Um, but one of the things that I believe that we don't realize, um, and it's what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, <laughs> is that Sunday morning worship is the most segregated time in America, most segregated hour in America. And it's the truth still. It is the truth still. Um, you know, I used to come to New Point, New Point, Canton, you know, Kent campus. And uh, I remember when I first came here, you know, I had people tell me, like, family members, like, why are you going to that white church? Like, why are you going to that suburban church? Like, you know, them folks don't like you. They don't understand you. And you don't understand them. And I'm like, hey, man. I'm just trying to be where God wants me to be, and I'm also trying to reconcile something that's broken. And if it makes, like, I'm out of, at that point, I wasn't uncomfortable. So if I make them uncomfortable, then so be it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to make them comfortable seeing me every Sunday, trying to love, trying to love them. And I think the church, and this is what I mean, I think the church in America, a lot of times, we are about our nationalism, like we're so nationalistic, like, and a lot of times, that's so true. Like a lot of evangelical Christians, man, they're so like they're worried about their nationalism, and they're not worried about Christology. Like they're not worried about Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ loves all people, regardless of where you come from, and regardless of who you are. So evangelicals, hear me, God does not hate gay people, okay. God does not hate poor people. God does not hate black people. God does not tell you, no, we need to work harder. No. God loves all people. He loves all of us. Yes, he hates sin. Yes. We, we, we've come to that establishment. But it doesn't give you the right to um, cast your nationalism off on people. And I think we need to understand the truth between nationalism and between Jesus. And I believe the church, um, we have the power of Christ, man. To, to drop these seeds of hope, man. And I see it. I see it in my church. I see it in my friends who, who are loving Christ and are trying to figure this thing called life out. 
And the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And I am for the church, man. The church is the vehicle, breathing, moving, being of God, giving life to, the, to humanity. I'm all for the church. The church is awesome. I just wish my brothers and my sisters would see that, you know, God doesn't care about your nationalism. Like, you're not going to get in heaven because you're a conservative or because you voted for Ronald Reagan in the 80s. And yes, Reaganomics was a real thing. So, I said it. Reaganomics. He was, went there. I went there. Reaganomics was a real thing. So, God's not going to let you into heaven, be, you know. He's not going to say, well done, you're a conservative. And black people, he's not going to say, well done, you're a black panther. You know, he's, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, did you know me? If you did not know me, then I don't know you. That's what he's going to say. It has nothing to do with our nationalism. Nothing. Our pride, our... We have to move beyond those things. Or the, the issues that we choose to fight yes, for. Yes, exactly. Or the issues we choose to not fight for. Exactly. It's not about that. It, it, it's not. It's about us embracing one another and re and trying to reconcile um, not just racism, but um, just issues that we have. Like, issues that we have, you know, with people in general, people groups. We need to move towards reconciliation. And we see that all throughout the Bible. We see that all throughout the Bible, and we also see the see the effects of of one decision. Um, you know, you see that with Adam Esau, and Eve. Adam and Eve. You see that. Um, you see that with uh, I believe I believe it's Esau and Jacob. You, Esau and Jacob. You see that, and then you see the reflect reflects of that. I was reading I was reading this this morning in Numbers twenty. Um, how look at you? How Moses? How Moses and the Israelites. Um, they were um, they were trying to cross over, and they had to go through Edom, and you know the king of Edom wouldn't let them through. Yeah, and that is a direct reflection of Jacob and Esau. Yeah, even though they reconciled, they did reconcile. I believe in Genesis thirty three, they did reconcile. They did. They did. It, it, what 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 Stephen's talking about right now is um, the Edomites. Basically, they, they came from they came from Esau, yep. and the Israelites they came from they came from Jacob, and, yep. and and so they were their descendants. That that's what he's talking. Yeah, about. that's what I'm talking about, and and that's the river, that's the that's the reverberation account. Like that's what I mean. Like when like those decisions and that bitterness that Esau had rubbed off on his descendants. Right. They're like, we don't like you. You're Israelites. You you messed up our blessing. Like no, mm -hmm. and we see that now. We see that now, like African Americans, natives, they're we're pissed off. Excuse me, we're mad. Like, no, like and Af and for African Americans, like I don't think we realize. Like, I mean, we were in slavery in Brazil. We were enslaved then. I mean, we were doing. No That's interesting because we never we don't usually think about that. No, we don't. I mean, we were we were in slavery then, you know, and and and, and Brazilian slavery was terrible. I mean, and it was done by the Portuguese, and my grandmother's 100% Portuguese. My grandmother is Portuguese, and they don't like black people a lot of times, but for some reason, they love my mother. Uh, that's another thing. That's here or there, but Brazilian slavery was a real thing, you know? People were dying and being murdered and, I mean, genocide. I mean, for all for money, for gain, for sugar. That's all what it was, and then it just switched to cotton when we got to America. So, I mean, you've got... 600 years of mess. So when we talk about, we, let's go back for a minute. So you okay. were talking about, um, you, you were talking about the, the this nationalism thing, and, mm -hmm. and you were also talking about this this uh, this birthright idea. Yeah. And one of the things that that really fascinates me, it's kind of dominating the news, um, has been all last fall, and is now is Colin Kaepernick, and and what Colin is doing, and 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 right now. Uh, 
uh, when this when this podcast airs, we'll we'll know more. But at, at the moment, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job in the NFL. And for those of you who don't who don't know like what's been going on with Colin Kaepernick, he's a he's a uh, quarterback. He's a professional football player, um, and he last season he played for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Colin took a took a stance on um, he, he took a stance on the on the the the, uh, the national anthem. And he was actually, he would not stand for the national anthem. He was, at first he was sitting down and then he was taking a knee. Yeah. Um, he was, he was yeah. taking a knee. And, and there's a lot of folks that are upset about that. Can you talk to us about that a little bit and like this mindset um, with this nationalism and this. The, yeah. Talk to, talk to us a little about that. Before I say this, I, I've never been a fan of Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback. Never. Let's get this clear. When he was at Nevada, I wasn't a fan. I don't like his throwing. I'm a coach, so I'm, a, I'm an offensive lineman coach, <laughs> but I love the game. I don't like his throwing motion. Um, I just there's a lot of things about Colin Kaepernick I don't like. Um, if he's not in the right system. However, I was cheering the brother on. Um, because Colin Kaepernick, understand me, throughout time, black folks have taken stances during the national anthem. Fist raised, folks didn't like that. Um, you know, people have sat down. So this Colin Kaepernick's not really so he wasn't new. He wasn't new. And this is the thing that the media likes to pretend. Oh, Colin Kaepernick doing something yeah. new. It's not new. It's it's been done. Um, it's been done before. Let's just let's just throw that out the window. Um, if you look at, I believe he's being blackballed. I do believe it's it's some because of what he's done, his numbers. But I do believe it's I do believe it's what he's done. Like they don't people in the in the NFL and business in, in business in general, they don't like bad business. They like money. Right, Colin Kaepernick. Is bad for business, quote unquote, and I do believe part of that he's being blackballed. Now, when you have Johnny Manziel, right? I was just going to Johnny Manziel, yeah. who has now. Listen, I worked in the drug and alcohol community, so I am no, I'm not throwing shade at him at all. But you know, he's he's abused drugs, he's abused alcohol, he's abused his girlfriend, and he's still getting interest from at least one NFL team, the New Orleans Saints, at least one, and his stats are pedestrian. Johnny Manziel is a college quarterback. I could throw better than he does. Yes, Johnny Manziel is a college quarterback. That's it. He's not going to make it in the NFL. Okay? But Colin Kaepernick has been to the Super Bowl. He's played decent in the right system. And Colin Kaepernick has has yet to sign to a team. Yet. I'm not saying he won't, but he has yet to sign to a team. To me, those are signals of being blackballed, but also because of, you know, his stats. But the Colin Kaepernick thing... The people, nationalism in particular people, is just people, so crazy. People, people take that as, as a being a shot. And black folks think, I know a lot of black people, you know, our age think about this a lot of times during national anthems. Like, I don't want to stand for that. Um, because to, the American flag to us doesn't, if you, ask, if you ask black people what the American flag means to them, you're going to hear a lot of different answers. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ask a lot of white people across America, you're going to, it's the red, white, and blue. It's democracy. It's freedom. And that's a part of it. But that ain't the totality of it, though, either. A lot of black folks for that, that doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that. Yes, America is the greatest country in the world. So, relax. It is the greatest country in the world. Trust me. But there are issues. She's got really close to the microphone to say that. Because I want you to understand. Relax. America is the greatest country in in the... It's the freest country in the world. Trust me and believe me. But don't expect us to be silent on issues, either. Like, don't expect me to just sit on my laurels and just because, oh, I live in the greatest country in the world, I'm not going to just feel hurt or feel pain. 
And Colin Kaepernick responded in that way. But he's also gave, he's also started, you know, he's also started you know, campaigns. He's also given, given his, a million dollars. Given, given a million dollars. He's also given money. So he's putting foot to his, you know, to his mouth. He's also giving action. So, um, once again, people need to get over their nationalism and just see people. And see that people have different experiences in the same place. People have different experiences in the same place all the time. It happens all the time. We, I mean, some of the smallest sports. You know, Tony Kukoc's time with the Chicago Bulls wasn't the same as Michael Jordan's time with the Chicago Bulls. It wasn't. It wasn't the same. Tony Kukoc won a he won some rings. He's a great he was a great player, but he ain't Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like um, Tristan Thompson ain't LeBron James. They both have different experiences in the same place, mm-hmm. and that's and that's that's all we're saying. Like we're all in the same place, but we all experience different things. You know, I grew up in the projects. Why do you think they call it the projects? Like I actually don't know the answer to that question. Why? why do I have, that? all of us have all of us have the. I believe wholeheartedly because it's a project. It's it's a project. It's like a, a it's like a a little lab, places in, in rundown houses, and they give us all we need in these communities. They give us liquor stores. There's little burnt. There's little broken down churches. There is um, the cop station is right there. Um, the you know everything is there. There's a little there's a little corner store where you can get your food from. That's not healthy, but you can get your food from. It's cheap. Get your little snacks from. Everything's there, so you won't have to leave. So you won't have to leave that project. So you won't have to leave this sector of your side of the That's neighborhood. So you won't have to leave, like. And I'm not saying this out of thin air. Like, read unbiased history. Like, unbiased American history. Not biased. Not not your textbooks. Because that crap, and I say crap, textbooks are crap. They don't teach kids anything about history. They teach you, they teach you that Christopher Columbus discovered America and that he was a great guy. They didn't tell you that he was a drunk Spaniard that stumbled upon land that was already owned. So if someone, <laughs> want, if someone wanted to see or read about unbiased history... What's a couple of things that you would recommend? I would recommend there. Well, there's one. There's one book I would recommend. I have it on me right now. He's literally. He's literally digging. This is like. This is like real time. There's one book I would recommend. Well, one book I would recommend is, and it's not. It's not unbiased. It's just from a from a black perspective. It's called Tears, We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America by Michael Eric Michael Dyson. Eric Dyson. I would encourage people to read this book. I would encourage people to read anything by Michael Eric yes, Dyson. Yes, I would encourage you to read this book. Um, I would encourage you to read that book. I'm like combing through. I haven't really dug into it. Um, I, would en- I would just encourage you to read any book that's out of your context. Like, I would encourage you to read books that are out and just discover things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, forget, I can't never pronounce his name. Um, wish my professor was here right now because he can tell me. Um, I had to tell them so they could put it in the put it in the notes because I can't pronounce his name right now. Okay, but we'll, we'll do that. Well, it'll be in the show notes. Yes, there's there are like so many different books that you can read, but my push was just to be read your Bible first of all. For Christians out there, read your Bible. I don't read it enough. Read your Bible. Soak in the truth of God. Soak in the truth of God. Let it dwell in you richly, and See things from other people's perspective and read things that are not from your perspective. Minorities have done it forever. I've always read things because I have to. I, my people, I always say this. 
Minorities are the only people in the world that we have to deal with all ethnicities of people. White people in America, if you don't want, if you don't have, if you don't want to, you don't have to deal with other people. You don't have to. Think about it. You can stay, you can stay in your suburbs, you can stay in the suburbs, you can hear the, you know, do what you do. You got your stores there, you got everything there. When you go to your jobs, most a lot of times it's owned by you know white guys. Me, I have to go to a school that's owned by a lot of white dudes. When I go to work, you know, when I go to different places, I always have to come encounter with that. And that's the way things are set up like that. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's just a reality. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just a reality of the situation. Like, and I think a lot of times if we just read our Bibles, we read things from other people's perspectives, and we also just know history. Like history is more than dates. It, it, it actually teaches you something. It's like, yo, like, wow, this is where this started. Like, this is why things are the way they are now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I just think if we just read history and just understand that uh, uh, the world in general, the world in general, um, world history, like, it'll just teach you um, about a lot. It'll teach you about how people respond to oppression. The French Revolution, people responded to oppression. They responded to oppression in which way? They killed their king. They took over you know what I'm saying? And I think mm -hmm. when people hear black power, they get afraid. Like, oh, revolution. When they hear revolution, they get afraid. You know? Um, and I think for most African Americans, man, we just want to see a fair seat at the table. We're tired of eating crumbs. You know? I want my kids to be okay. You know? You know, I you know, I just want a fair seat at the table. When my grandmother came from Mississippi, when she quit school and came to Mississippi when she was, you know, 13, 14 years old. I believe that's what she wanted for us, was just a seat at the table. My grandmother picked cotton. This is not my great-great-grandmother, y'all. This is my mother's mother. My grandmother picked cotton. So, I mean, those those, those dreams and aspirations, I believe, are still inside of me. You know, they're, they're still a part of me. So, and I want my kids to have a fair seat at the table. Will it happen? We live in a sinful world. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Well, I think that's something, you know, for, for like, white men like us. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we can probably do is yes. not and not just have it be the obligatory right. like right. oh right. you know what you you the can have a thing. Yeah, right. The token token thing. thing right exactly but actually make it like hey not only do you have a seat at the table but you have a voice right too and yeah. we're gonna listen to you right exactly and I think you know uh, it's you know and I want to say if, if you're African American listening to this man listen I understand you know trust me I get our struggle and I get our frustrations um. And I understand them. But that does not, especially if we are believers, that does not give us the right to sit in bitterness. That does not give us the right to sit in anger all the time. Like, I'm a believer before I am black. The, law, oh, the law of God goes before me being black. And I couldn't always say that. And I still wrestle with that. And I still have tension with that. Because me being a Christian is a faith thing. Me being black is, that's just wake up in the morning, I'm black. I haven't seen God yet. I have faith that there was this guy named Jesus that walked around the earth loving people and that he died and he resurrected and that he's coming back to restore order. I have faith in that. I haven't seen him yet, but I know he's real. I see you. I see, you see me. So I would encourage all of us to understand that we are believers first. And we are called to what Christ has called us to first. He has called us to love each other and to reconcile to himself, but also to reconcile to one another. So, you know, 
I understand what we go through. Trust me, I do. Uh, you know, I, I'm a part of it. But. And, and what would you say? What would you say to, to to white America? What would you say to people? What What do we need to understand? What do we need to understand mm-hmm. to be able to to fairly have a, a seat at the table where, yeah. where we're able to dialogue and talk? Yeah. Um. Listen. Like when you talk to people of other minorities, listen. No matter who they are, no matter what ethnicity they are, listen. Listen to their history. Um. You need to understand their history and do your best to empathize. Empathize with them. Stop telling us that we're wrong for how we feel. I hear that so many times. Like, so many times over and over again. Like, you're wrong. You shouldn't feel this way. You can't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. You you can't. Just Even if you don't understand it fully, and a lot of things you won't. You need to understand that that's okay, that you're not going to fully conceptualize everything. But that's okay. But you need to empathize with us and the things that we go through and then understand it all through the lens of the gospel and then say, okay, this is how I need to respond. This is how I need to respond. I need to respond this way. I need to I need to not only see my brother on the side of the road and walk by him, but I need to see my brother on the side of the road. I need to bandage him up. Bandage him up. I need to, you know, put some put some clothes on him. Take him to an end. Make sure he's good. And I need to come back and keep working with him. Not just have one conversation and say, oh, I've done my duty today. I love black people today. I talked to five. You know, do it over and over again. Have relationships with people of other ethnicities, other political affiliations. Stop, stop all your friends being conservatives. My friends are liberals. Some of my friends are conservatives. I am neither. I'm an independent thinker. I'm in the middle somewhere. But I have friends who are, who are staunch conservatives, friends who love Donald Trump, which I'm praying for them. I have some folks who are liberals. We you just throw that in there. And I'm praying for them too, who are staunch liberals, and I'm praying for them. You know, we. I mean, I mean, how many of your friends are? are you have friends who who are homosexual. Do you have friends who are different than you? Like just plain different, outside of the realm of of, of of ethnicity. Do you have friends who are different than you, who see the world different than you? And then from you, like you know, a lot of times, I see a lot of times people feel like. Oh well, that's gonna rub off on me. Like I don't, I don't want to be friends with somebody who may be homosexual. I don't want that to rub off on me. It's not like if you know you're not, if you know the truth of God, then it's, it's not. Oh, it's not gonna catch off on me. It's not rabies. You know, it's not chickenpox. You know, God calls us to love people despite despite of whatever. You know, and I believe, um, I believe white America. If you start there, empathize, you understand, you listen, and then you move towards reconciliation. Things will begin to massage together. Now, perfection? No, I, I don't believe in the day of perfection until the day of Christ, to the day of New Jerusalem, where we're all Revelation seven nine. We're all together in one voice, praising our God together, every nation, every tongue, um, and we're all worshiping God together in New Jerusalem. That's when I believe things will be together. But Jesus also said, "On heaven as on heaven, and on earth as is in heaven." So we can have pockets of heaven here, and as the church, we're called to that. You know, we're called to deliver those pockets of heaven. So, yeah, I was encouraged y'all to do that, man. And I love you guys. I know I might have dropped some like some bombs or some hurtful things, but I say it all in love. They, you know, Caleb and Todd know me. You know, I love Larry Bird, guys. It's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I love the Mighty Ducks. I, I, I love. It's a good movie. It is one of the greatest movies of all time. Gordon Bombay all is, of them. is the only hockey coach that I know. Uh, and the Mighty Ducks, my favorite hockey team. <laughs>
Stephen, thank you so much for thank joining you. us thank today. You, um, if someone wants to, you know, follow up, you know, ask a question or really just learn from you, what's the best way they can reach out to Ooh. you? Um, my Facebook. If you look at my Facebook, uh, it's Stephen Fifth Ave Johnson. Uh, Fifth Ave is like in my part of my name. Uh, you can look up on Instagram. Um, it's Fifth X Ave. Um, got Snapchat. I'm on there. Um, I mean, it's a lot. Uh, Twitter. Um, let me look on here and see what my Twitter is. Because I forget it. Um, look here and see what my... Here's what's more impressive. Is, is is who knows their like their Snapchat thing. Like nobody knows you know, their Snapchat yeah, nobody, thing. Yeah, it's 5th Ave 3-3-0. Um, yeah, man. You know, get in contact with me there. Yeah, we can just chat, man. I'm all about talking. Um, I'm all about love and just trying to reconcile and trying to get things how they were in the garden. As close as possible, where we're in the right relationship with our Creator and with one another. So yeah, man, that's how you can get in contact with me. Don't be afraid. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna tell you that you're an evil white man. You know, I'm, I'm not that man. I'm, I'm not that, bro. It's okay. I love all people of all races, of all ethnicities, of all, of all shades. And I couldn't always say that. I stay, I stay here today because of because of Christ, man. So. It's no glory to me, it's all glory to Jesus while I'm here today. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has helped you in any way, leave us a rating and write a review of our podcast on your podcast app. It's the best way to help us expand this conversation. If you want to continue the conversation, you can like our page on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at our handle at the Learners Corner, or follow us on Twitter at our handle at Learners Podcast. Until next time. Keep learning, keep growing.